Professor Jones and the Digs. Professor Jones and the Digs. Professor Jones and the Digs. Yo, yo, and welcome to the Professor Jones and the Digs podcast. My name is Dave Jones, and I am the Professor. My name is Danny Jones, and I am the Diggs. Professor Jones is a podcast dedicated to the art of film and cinema, and this week we are taking a break from our alien theme and discussing a one Star Wars story entitled Solo, a solo film about the exploits of Han I'm Solo. solo riding solo. Riding, oh, I thought we were talking about the Jason Derulo song. <laughs> I thought you were making up a, like a hit single to- <laughs> about Han Solo. <laughs> Jason Derulo, man, he's great. Um, but with any Star Wars film, uh, we got to get our number one Star Wars fan, fan of the podcast, <laughs> good friend, Mr. Zach Hartman, a.k.a. The Tube Sock. Welcome, Zach. Yeah, thanks for having me again. I'm the number one fan. I'm number one fan of every movie. <laughs> every time. Zach, Zach's- what are you doing with that tube sock, Hartman? <laughs> <laughs> Zach, why does everyone ask what the tube sock joke is about, Hartman? <laughs> uh, we'll get to that later. Uh, <laughs> uh, but we are going to, uh, before we talk about Solo, we're going to do a little bit of bro down action. And I'm going to start off this week with the. The trailer that dropped uh, called Mowgli, and this is the Andy Circus joint uh, that covers the story of Rudyard Kipling's The Jungle Book. And I guess the biggest question is, did we need this movie? Uh, why are we making another Jungle Book when another one came out that was pretty fantastic, directed by John Favreau? That was like a year ago, right? Not too it's long serious, ago. It's serious. He was so recent. Yeah. yeah. And I mean... I understand. I think Andy Serkis had the idea for this before the Jungle Book was uh, the live uh, action. Jungle. Yeah, before the live action th- that came out and maybe that it was during the same time and he didn't know that that was being made. And I know that he had a vision for it, but it does kind of resemble the, you know, ants and bugs life or uh, deep impact in Armageddon. Um, all those movies that came out that they were exact same thing at the same time. And it just seems like Andy circus kind of got to the party late with this one. So I don't know. I think that, um, Setting aside the argument of why are we having the same exact movie come out a year later, it does look pretty sweet, though. I've heard that it's supposed to be a dark take on the Jungle Book, and I know that Rudyard Kipling's book is actually fairly dark, so I think it will be uh, a little more true to the content of what it is based on. Uh, But I liked a lot of the actors. Uh, I liked the direction that it was going. Um, I think it's going to be hard to beat what Jon Favreau did with the Jungle Book because that movie was pretty freaking sweet uh but i i am excited to see see what that movie um what that movie is and, and what happens with that so uh i'm gonna kick it over to, to zach here zach what do you what do you think about the jungle uh Book? i think that you know i think it'll be good um obviously it's gonna do well i think a lot of people see it um i do like that it's going in a darker version of it um but i'm not entirely sure that we need you know that we needed this movie just because uh, another one just came out so recently. So, you know, I don't have too much to say. I'm excited just because of the 
caliber of actors that are involved. So I think it'll be good. Um, not sure we needed it. He could have done something different and I would have been just as satisfied. Yeah, I agree. I think that I'm excited to see what Andy Serkis does in his career, but Diggs, what do you think? Um, I think we may have needed it if it was a different story. I just, I saw the trailer and, uh, I even tweeted, it's always rare that I tweet, but I, I was so moved that I tweeted because you watch the trailer and it, it honestly looks like shot for shot, like the one that just came out. Like there are, there's like the family of wolves that are up on some cliff. There's the tiger. There's the snake scene where she he sees the snake. There's the talking, uh, monkey might as well just gotten Bill Murray back. Yeah. The kid's not nearly as cute. Um, absolutely ugly little kid. So, uh, (laughs) (laughs) no, I'm kidding. Um, I'm kidding. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. It just, uh, I I was so thrown off. I feel like if they, if they did this, they should have just done what they did in like the nineties or whatever with that one where he's kind of an adult and you know, they have like the little kid, but then the adult, like tell a different kind of story. Oh man. I forgot about that. That live action one from the nineties is so good with Carrie Ells. And, uh, uh-huh. I can't even remember who else. Sam Neill, Sam Neill's in that. Isn't the, the, the dad, the guy, um, or yeah, the dad of Jennifer Connelly. Am I thinking of the right one? I don't know. The uh, girl that's in it is also That's Jennifer Connolly, isn't it? I don't think it's Jennifer Connolly. The girl from uh what do you know what I'm talking about, Danny? Not Diggs? a clue. <laughs> Not a clue. <laughs> that movie was good though. You remember when the guy gets uh in the quicksand. Yeah, he gets yeah. put in the quicksand. Oh, the guy I'm in the quicksand. Sure. And then Carrie Ells goes, uh <laughs> he sinks down and then he goes, Let us not uh or the girl says, let us not cry over every little thing or something like that. I, yeah. Great flick. Great movie. Very much enjoyed it. Uh, let's just put that back in theaters instead of even airing this Andy circus thing. <laughs> I know. Yeah. It's going to be a circus itself. <laughs> <laughs> Eli, I think that was good pun, Danny. Good work. He's Thanks. always looking for those puns. Holding on Thank that you. one for a while. He has been. He has been. Um, Yeah. So anyway, I think it could be fun. Whatever, though. I mean, yeah, I'm always down for (laughs) pending a DNA test. Whatever. I'm always excited for a little bit of Jungle Book action. And yeah, we'll we'll see what happens. You know, something that should be discussed, though, is I I think that Andy Serkis could be a great director. Um, You know, he started out. Um, some of his first directing that he's done is that he was the assistant director for all of the Lord of the Rings films. Um, so when Peter Jackson wasn't on a scene, it was Andy Serkis, Andy Serkis. So I think that, you know, being under the tutelage of Peter Jackson has definitely got to definitely got to help you out and, um, get you started on the right track. So I, I, I look forward to great things and, and I, th- I think that this movie could be good, but yeah, completely unnecessary at the current moment. So Yeah. We'll see. We'll see what happens. But Diggs, why don't you why don't you kick us off with your with your bro down here? Uh, you got it. Sorry, I'm not uh, as focused today. My neighbors actually just came down. They got really mad at me. They knocked on my door and they're like, hey, uh, you know, would you please just stop singing that Oasis song? And I said, maybe. Oh, maybe it's going to be the one that <laughs> saves me. Yeah, that's all right. Um, OK. Anyway, um, so my bro down for the week, 
A um, little bit of movie news. <laughs> what was that joke? We're still just kind of flabbergasted by how poorly that joke went. <laughs> no, um, uh, they said they said, uh, "Why isn't your your son going to college?" And I said, "Well, the son already has twenty seven million degrees, so um, it's ninety three million miles, right? That type of you guys. Okay, um, I just don't get it." <laughs> so that's how hot it is, right? <laughs> so that's <laughs> it's temp, right? Um so yeah, uh my bro down for the week, Jake Gyllenhaal was cast as Mysterio in Spider-Man Homecoming 2. Um there's talk of the Sinister 6 joining this movie. Um I I don't know. I'm really excited about this news. I'm really excited. Fishbowl guy uh, and and his little cape and stuff. Uh, apparently Mysterio, I don't know, if, if you don't know, he's some sort of, and I'm sure there's people that know a lot more about this than me, but he's some sort of like animator or something like that or animates comics and then something happens, he gains powers or something, so he's able to like animate kind of the world or shift things to a different kind of reality and uh he's a pretty heavy player as far as the mc uh as far as marvel goes and and the villain so i think it's a good cast um i'm excited about what he's gonna do um thoughts i don't know i definitely am excited i think that you know I'm hoping that he'll be as good as he was in Prince of Persia. Buzzing. Uh, no, but you know, actually something that I was, I was on Reddit the other day and I don't know which user put this, but uh, it was that a bunch of people are like, I don't know if Jake Gyllenhaal could be a villain. Um, and I, I don't understand that because what's that? It's like, did you see nocturnal or what's the night nightcrawler nightcrawler, nightcrawler. Yeah. um yeah if if you've seen nightcrawler i think it's very apparent that jake that jake joan hall could definitely play the role of a great villain yeah uh, i think he's great man i think that he's a totally underrated oh, actor. actor too i mean obviously i think he's kind of a household name at this point um but I really think that Jake Gyllenhaal should be doing better in Hollywood. And I just don't think that he's been given the the right roles. And maybe that Prince of Persia thing really sunk his career. But um, I, he's fantastic. And I really enjoyed him in Nightcrawler. And he was great in Nocturnal Animals as well. He's great in Dark um, Knight, too. Harvey. <laughs> <laughs> Harvey, you just gotta... Uh, Harvey. That was him, right? It looked a lot like a guy. <laughs> that was a dude, right? <laughs> that was a dude, right? And dirt. Harvey. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. That, that joke absolutely just broke me. Oh, broke back. Well played. Okay. Broke and back, we're back. True. And we're back. Uh, man. But yeah, I think that I think that if Maggie Gyllenhaal does a good job, no, <laughs> no uh, yeah, Jake Gyllenhaal, I think he could be a great supervillain. And uh, I know that Michael Keaton's going to be back as uh, Birdman, so I'm excited to see what happens <laughs> in this next Spider-Man movie. 
<laughs> no, I mean, I'm totally excited for Spider-Man. You know, the other thing, I mean, I know that you brought up Jake Gyllenhaal, but I really hope that we get away from the Iron Man suits being a part of Spider-Man. It was great in mm-hmm. Avengers, and I understand that it was necessary, but uh, I really hope that Peter Parker has just like a normal suit and he doesn't have all this ridiculous stuff because it's so much more interesting to watch a superhero work with only what they have, you know, work with their superpower. And I think that Spider-Man Homecoming was fun, but it just, it was a huge part of the movie that just drug it down for me. And I understand that like a large part of the movie was him, uh, grabbing grabbing hold of his powers and being able to utilize them well without the suit if you you know if you're nothing without the suit then you don't deserve it but it's like okay well don't use the suit then because it's just dragging the story down so anyway i can agree with that going on on going on another iron man suit thing there but um yeah jake gyllenhaal could be great uh also i hope to see maggie gyllenhaal in a couple rom-coms later on i think she's absolutely zach did you have anything to add to the spider-man conversation there with uh, maggie gyllenhaal uh yeah i'm uh i love you know uh jake gyllenhaal i think he's a great actor and i agree with you that he is underrated and maybe doesn't have as many roles as he should but um i'm excited for him to play a villain because like you said the nightcrawler um role i think was fantastic and he showed he can be a super dark character um but what i thought was cool was i read something that during uh spider-man 2 uh the original toby Maguire hurt his back because he was had filmed sea biscuit during that time and hurt his back and that's why he did the my back uh my back quote when he falls but um, I also read that they had originally considered uh, picking up Jake Gyllenhaal to do uh, Spider-Man when he was hurt. So I thought that was kind of cool that he's finally getting into the MCU. So I think that's good. And that's why we have the tube sock here, because I did not know either of those things. And I am very glad that I know that now. That line I always just thought was funny, but I'm mm-hmm. glad that there was more to it than that. Yep. Uh, also, kind of unrelated, did you guys know that they put peanut butter in the horse's mouth in Seabiscuit so that mm-hmm. it would look like he was talking? <laughs> <laughs> what are you? What is that? What are you talking I'm about? Sorry, I'm just kidding. That's Mr. Ed. That's what they did Mr. Ed. But <laughs> I thought it would be funny if it sounded like I was mistaking Seabiscuit for Mr. Ed. <laughs> what are but, you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> I got so confused. Um, you remember when they put peanut butter in the horse? <laughs> uh, um, no, um, well, maybe that'll be a good thing for Jake Gyllenhaal, though. You know, he almost had that opportunity to be Spider-Man. Now he gets to be a Spidey villain. How old is Jake Gyllenhaal anyway? He's got to be late 30s, probably. He looks almost 40. 22. <laughs> yeah, he's 23, 24 years old. He's got he's still a pretty <laughs> young, young guy. guy. Yeah, looks exactly like he did in uh Donnie uh, Darko. Donnie Darko, there you go. Boom. Um great. Okay, well, uh I know that Zach had an offering for a bro down here. Uh so so what did you want to what did you want to talk about? <clears throat> uh I was just going to bring up um the Lars von Trier movie The House That Jack Built with um uh, the Dylan, the Dylan boy. Uh had oh yeah, mass, Matt Dillon. Yeah, Matt. Thank you. Had uh, mass walkouts at Cannes because of how violent it was. But um, to me, it's like if you're gonna go see a Lars von Trier movie about 
a deranged serial killer, I think you should know what you're getting into. Danny, did you see the trailer for this, The House That Jack Built? No. So essentially what it is, is it kind of looks like an American psycho type movie. It's just this guy that is clearly a serial killer and he tortures people and it's kind of his story and maybe his ideology as to why he does this. And I mean, it looks like a really messed up movie and it's just, it's crazy to think that, you know, this went to can and just so many people probably saw it and were like, no, yeah, no good for me. But that also comes to, you know, it makes you it makes you wonder at what point with with films like, you know, Saw or Hostel, um, you know, the Eli Roths of the world and maybe Lars von Trier is kind of going in this direction and maybe took it a step too far. But at what point are we kind of you know, subjugating viewers to horrible atrocities that people can commit. Um, it and becomes calling it art. It, yeah. Film. It becomes less artistic yeah. and kind of, you know, just like why are we watching film. gore? Yeah. Why are we watching people get tortured there? I, <laughs> I see less and less value in it as it, as it goes on. And I think that, you know, something like the first saw was really, um, tastefully done, tastefully done. It was a good movie and it was really interesting. But as they go on, it's like, what, why are we sitting here watching people get yeah. like ripped in half Door and then weird? Yeah, exactly. It's very strange. So it's like the human um, centipede or whatever, yeah. you know, right. Uh, right. The extreme, like, the extreme, um, the extreme experiences of humanity. And, Mm -hmm. and I I think that we're human beings are always interested in that sort of thing, but I think it's just, it's exploiting, um, it's exploiting the emotions of humans trying to make them view these and, and say that it's art. I think sometimes, you know, sometimes it's done right and it's done well, you know, like saving private Ryan, for instance, all Spielberg was trying to do is get you as close to the action and as close to the perspective of those people as possible. And it's a war story. It's about, um, you know, honor and, and, uh, and bravery and, and what's happened in the past. But then you have stories like this and it's like, and Hacksaw Ridge would also be a good example of that too, where it's overly gory, but it does it to a certain point, but it's not like, you know, it's just one of those things that it's like, why do we need to, why do we need to know about this? Like, is this story that interesting? Are we going to learn anything from this story? Or is it just trying to look at the life of a serial killer and show exactly what he did, you know, as close, as closely depicted as possible? Um, I think it's, I think it's negative for society, man, just because I feel like some, it's just scary. I don't, I don't want some, uh, crazy out there to watch it and get ideas or whatever. And I know a lot about this cause I watched one Jeffrey Dahmer documentary. And, um, <laughs> Danny's I know, so into serial killers now and he knows I know so a lot much. about, I know a lot about true this crime stuff. and now he's an expert. So, <laughs> but yeah, I, I don't know. I don't, or I don't no mind it. hunter. That's what I was looking for. Great. That was great. Mind hunter. Mind hunter was good. Yeah. See, that's the thing that that show is about like, picking the brain apart of a serial killer, you know, and it's very the psychology behind it. Yeah. The psychology. Um, I think, uh, just based on the little amount that I've kind of looked at, um, the house that Jack built, I think it's about a very tortured individual. And I think to some degree that's, um, and the mental health issues of a tortured individual. And I think to some degree, that's, um, a reflection of Lars von Trier 
So it almost becomes, um, in this movie in particular, it almost seems like it's become like masturbatory, just kind of Lars von Trier filling out his desires of wanting to get his uh, emotions and thoughts onto film. Yeah, it's kind of creepy. So, I mean, I like Lars von Trier. I think there's merit in what he does. I want to see it, but like my wife, I would, she doesn't want to see it. I wouldn't, <laughs> yeah. And I wouldn't like subjugate her to seeing it. Yeah, right. no, that's yeah. something that I watch in a dark, dank basement by myself and get ideas, and that's how it starts. You know, I'm just yeah. <laughs> no, but I mean, that's also. I mean, I think that kind of lends itself to the argument of a lot of people question who George R. R. Martin is as a person and how sick his mind actually mm-hmm. is because to write some of the things that happen in Game of Thrones, I think that you do have to be somewhat of a tortured individual or to have, you know, for for your imagination to to go to those places. It is it is kind of messed up. Um and same thing with something like Eli Roth, you know. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I don't know. It's interesting, but I'm kind of glad I was actually pretty happy when I heard that story about people walking out of it at Cannes, because I think that's just kind of cool that a lot of the audience members were like, no, this is weird. It's too far. This yeah, is- there was a particular scene that I read that people walked out, and I won't say it because it spoiled a scene for me just because I read it. But um, right. I also think... Uh, it, it it's it's kind of on Can's fault because they did ban him a number of years ago from ever being in the competition again, and the ban was lifted, and they you know said come on back, and then they do, and, they <laughs> and, then, and he gets banned again probably you know, so it's kind of on them. It's like you know what type of uh, filmmaker Lars von Trier is, so you know I think they can they should shoulder some of the responsibility because he is an artist. Right. You know, I mean, we could debate to death if he's an artist or not, or if he's just showing disturbing images and calling it art. Yeah. But you know what kind of filmmaker he is and what kind of movies he brings. And when he says, I'm making a movie about a serial killer, your first instinct should not have been. Yeah, sure. We'll have you to can. Yeah, yeah, no, totally. Well, that's an interesting one. I'm kind of looking forward to seeing that movie, to be honest. Though. I like now want that, to see it, and that's kind of the unfortunate thing is that something like that gets the it gets that movie out there, and people are like, "Oh, there must be a really messed up movie." I kind of want to see it. Mm-hmm. So, very interesting. Uh, let's move on and let's and let's <laughs> dig into uh, Solo, a Star Wars story. Mm. Uh, before we get going, I just want to read the opening scroll. This movie didn't do the uh, didn't do the generic uh, Star Wars scroll, but it did have uh, a lot of text on screen to kind of set up what we are looking at. And uh, I thought it was a good way. It had the Lucas film logo and then it just kind of dug right in um but it says it is a lawless time crime syndicates compete for resources food medicine and hyperfuel. on the shipbuilding planet of corellia the foul lady proxima forces runaways into a life of crime in exchange for shelter and protection on these mean streets a young man fights for survival but yearns to fly among the stars got me kind of jacked I liked it. I thought it was very nice. Um, but I want to hear general thoughts and I'm going to kick it over to the digs and then we'll hear Zach and all, and I'll kind of bring it in at the end. But, uh, Danny, what, yeah, Danny, what did you think of uh solo? I'll let you have the first word here. Um, so 
this is something I talked about before the movie. I said it to several people. I said, um, you know, cause I have several favorite things like avatar, last airbender, speed racer and star Wars. Uh, and if you would have told me a year ago that I would be more of a fan of Marvel now than I am of star Wars and that I'd be such on a different kind of, uh, plane, I probably wouldn't have believed you, but the last Jedi absolutely crushed. I mean, it like kind of crushed my childhood a little bit. Um, it completely took me away from star Wars And, uh, I really was negative about it for a long time. And I was really not looking forward to this movie. Um, didn't want to go to it. Didn't want to see it. I went to it alone. I guess you could say I went solo. Um, um, and, uh, I think probably about midway through this film, I honestly got mad because I was like, dang it. I, I think I like this. And then like towards the end, I got a little bit more mad because I was like, dang it. I think I love this. <laughs> um, <laughs> and so, um, yeah, it was a very unexpected, a very pleasant surprise. And it, uh, gave me a little bit more hope, I guess, as far as the spinoff movies go and, uh, that direction that they're going with it. Um, I'm still very crushed about, seven, eight, nine. And, uh, as far as my nine hopes go, I'm just, uh, sad about it. But, um, this, this movie definitely gave me, um, a little bit of light towards the star Wars franchise. And I don't think that I no longer think that, that Disney is going to absolutely ruin this whole thing for me. Um, I think they did a great job. I think Ron Howard is terrific. I think the I think one of the things that carried this movie was the acting. I mean, I come I, I kind of went into it and I just forgot who was in it. And then I got into it and it was like, oh, nice. Woody Harrelson. He's amazing. Oh, yeah. nice. Paul Bettany. He's overacting, but he's amazing. Uh. Um, <laughs> um, I think that Aiden Ironreich. Alden Aaron. Alden, Aiden, Alden, uh, Arden Ironreich. <laughs> um was Alden first fan- Reich. <laughs> Alden Feinreich. He was uh I thought he was great. Um yeah. one of the highlights of the film for me. He played um just to expand a little bit, it, it seemed like he played his own version kind of of Han Solo. He wasn't playing Harrison Ford like mm-hmm. Donald Glover did with Lando. It kind of seemed like Donald Glover was just playing Billy D. Williams. Um and so uh I really enjoyed that John Favreau there for a little bit. I mean, and the story was great. I mean, it was, uh, I had a good time. Zach, um, what did, what did you think of solo? What are your general thoughts? I know that you, I, we and I talked a little bit about it in the car yesterday after we went, but, uh, what, what did you think? Uh, I liked it. Um, it started off kind of slow. Um, but, uh, you know, Dave and I talked about once, uh, Donald Glover was introduced, um, things started, picking up pretty well the pacing i thought was pretty pretty good after that uh i i had high hopes for this movie um i am a big fan of alden i like i loved him in uh hail caesar and i thought you know this is a guy that um i think can have a pretty pretty bright future um and i was nervous for him because to take on this role um would certainly be very exciting, um, the chance to play Han Solo, uh, but also be immensely intimidating. Like <laughs> you're playing 
uh, role that is beloved by so many people and they have so many different expectations of you. And he took it and he made it his own while uh, I think maintaining the spirit of Mm -hmm. the Han Solo that we know. And I think he did a great job. Um, There was a line from the trailer that wasn't in the movie. And I was bummed because I thought it was one of his more uh, better delivered lines. The when he is like talking to Chewie and he's like, um, what do you think? And then Chewie does his thing. And he's like, ah, what do you know? I thought, ah, what do you know? That that was a really good. That was very reminiscent of Han Solo for me. So I thought uh, Donald Glover killed it. He did a very good um Lando Calrissian, Billy D. Williams impersonation. Um, mm-hmm. uh, Woody Harrelson, like you said, great actor. Um, overall, I I liked it. I liked uh, I liked the direction it's going, and I mean, we'll get into that more. But yeah, overall, I liked it a lot. Thought it was a good movie. Good Star Wars standalone. Right, right. No, I agree. I think that. The very beginning, I was having an absolute blast. I thought that the romance between him and Amelia Clark, I really enjoyed. And that whole escape scene, I was way on board. Um, and then about probably 10 minutes in through 40 minutes in, I hated it. And then <laughs> you didn't like you didn't like the heist and all that. No, I, I did not enjoy myself for the first little while. I, wow. I wasn't, I, and it's not okay. Hate was a strong word, but I didn't like it that much. And then once Lando showed up, I was way on board and I got, and I got way into it. Um, but I mean, we can go more specifically into the things that I didn't love about it. Um, but o- overall, I left the theater going, man, that was, that was, that was a bit of fun, wasn't it? You know, it was just, it was quite quite enjoyable it's not you know it's not diff- like it's not the best star wars movie i've ever seen and i mean i don't even know if i like it over revenge of the sith or something like that but uh i probably enjoyed it more than i enjoyed rogue one um and i yeah i, I think it was it was great and there's some stuff that happens there at the end that really got me going um, and I think that, you know, the sense of nostalgia and, uh, the seeing Han and Chewie together and some of the original musical cues were really fantastic. Yeah. Um, all that working yeah, together dude. really got me, really got me amped. And, um, so I, I definitely enjoyed it. Something that, uh, a Redditor actually, a question that they posed on a thread I was, I was reading was if this movie had nothing to do with Star Wars and it was just a movie that was isolated and you didn't know who these characters were would you have liked it and i kind of wondered myself i sat there thinking would i have liked this movie if i didn't know who any of these characters were or had no previous understanding of them and i really don't think i would have but at the same time that's that's not the movie they're making. I mean, they are playing on that sense of nostalgia and us loving Han and us loving Chewie. Um, so it it's very difficult to get into that mindset of not knowing who these characters are. Um, so I think that that's it's an interesting question, but it's something very difficult that you have to ask yourself. And and I you had have to, to I had to kind of separate myself a little bit because I'm I'm kind of on the other side of that where it's like. 
I was getting very disappointed in the very beginning, especially like the Han meeting Chewie thing. And I'm like, that's how he met Chewie and all this yeah. stuff. I found myself kind of getting frustrated. And so then probably about like 30 minutes in or 20 minutes in, I kind of tried to separate in my head and, and just think like, okay, this is like an episode of a TV show. This is like just another episode in a cartoon or something like that. Just like another side little story of Han Solo. And when I looked at it like that, and I thought of it almost as just its own thing and tried not to compare it to the other stuff, then I started enjoying it a ton more. Um, but for a while, I was just comparing every little thing to... And like all the little lines that literally seemed like it was every other line for a bit. Um, move along, move along, and like all that stuff. Um, I was kind of just like, oh boy, I kind of started getting frustrated. And then I tried to at least just like distance myself from all that stuff and just realize, like, okay, just watch it. <laughs> Stop right. analyzing and sit and watch it. You know, right. just enjoy it. Right. Um, well, I think that that's as, that's as good a point as any. Uh, as any to say maybe spoilers from here on out um uh-huh. yeah. i mean we're probably going to get into stuff later that'll be heavy spoilers but we're going to start talking very in detail about what happened in the movie so if you haven't seen it just go check it out you'll most likely like it if you're a star wars fan you'll definitely like it yeah. um you like yeah yeah so uh but spoilers from here on out uh so i th- i think that the relationship between Han and the character of Kira was really interesting to me and I really enjoyed the romance between them and I liked I liked how they were you know isolated on this planet and they couldn't get out and they were basically slaves uh to the giant uh worm like yeah the worm like squid coming out of a pond so yeah. yeah Proxima why does that name sound so familiar has that been in the Star Wars universe before? Or have he- have I heard that in some Proxima other movie? Nova or something like not in the Star Wars, but there's definitely some Proxima thing going on. Well, the name of the uh the guy that is the head of the Ludus and Gladiator is named Proximo. Maybe that's there you have it. it. That could be it. That <laughs> well, actually could there be you it. have it. <laughs> well, there you have it. Um, I really enjoyed that whole first scene, though. I thought that that was really funny. The way that he's like a thermal detonator, and I, you know, I love a thermal yeah, detonator from Return of the Jedi. I thought that sure. was a great reference. And then it was a rock, and she's like, "Is that really your plan?" And he's like, "No, this is." And throws it. Turns out, vampire worm. Who knew? You vampire. Know, vampire worm. And I, you know, and that's one of the things that I think that we all love about Star Wars is that it's a galaxy that we essentially know nothing about still. There could be literally anything. You go to a different planet and they can make up whatever they want. So why wouldn't there be some vampire worm that's running a slave trade on some random planet? You know, I, I mean, I thought that was great. I thought that was very funny. And then that scene of the uh, chase and the escape scene were very well handled and very well done. And I like seeing Han as, I mean, he's probably what would you say, like 17 18 somewhere something like yeah. that in that scene sure uh, didn't so look like, like it no they made him mean? look About like 25 guy yeah i mean i know he, they tried to young down both <laughs> amelia clark and alden in those scenes but it's tough just because you know that they're not gonna stay young and i think i really do think that i had this theory that they were gonna do uh 
like a young version of them at the start of the movie to show that'd where be, they came that, from. That'd be kind of cool. Like kids, like like cast like little kids. Kind of. Yeah, they could have. That'd have been cool. I, yeah. So, and I also think I'm glad that they answered my question of why the hell is it so dark right now? Um, and you know, they finally showed some light, and it was like, thank God, because the contrast of our screening was a bit difficult to see. Yeah, it was pretty dark. It's like was season it dark three for you Westworld. Too? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Have you guys I been th- noticing that? Have you been watching Westworld season two? Oh yeah. I haven't caught up. Um, um, now I'm so far behind that I'm kind of looking forward the, to binging it. The cinematography in it's just like a little bit worse, <laughs> if that makes <laughs> sense. They just put sunglasses know. over the camera. Just seems, yeah. Everything just seems a little bit darker or something in this well, season. And anyway, it felt like spoiler. that with... Uh, avengers the first time we saw it it was that was literally because they had the brightness turned down at our theater it was awful. oh so it was yeah. pretty dark in plot no it's just <laughs> no literally just dark. the screen was too dark <laughs> <laughs> how was the movie dark it was dark <laughs> pretty dark no i i thought that too at the beginning of this one um but I, you know, I, I loved everything that happened. And then they go into that space station and are trying to escape and he gets separated from Amelia Clark. And I was like, great. This is a great point in the movie. Him trying to get back to mm-hmm. his long lost first love. We all have Khaleesi. that first love and you can, Khaleesi. you can. Ka- oh, Khaleesi. Yes. Yeah. So he's very much the Cal Drogo of the story. Getting <laughs> taken, ripped away Sun from Khaleesi. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, something okay this is the first thing that and I, I didn't just dislike this I hate this and I'm sorry you guys might feel I know what you're gonna say and I'm gonna agree with you I I think, com- I think it's so stupid I don't know what you're gonna say and I don't agree <laughs> eh, I think it's so stupid that that guy gives him the last name solo, solo. he's like my name's Han he's like oh, you yeah. don't have a people and he's like why don't we call you Han solo and it's that's like a Luke Skywalker lightsaber over the shoulder moment for sure. Mm. It's like, just can't even get on board with it. Yeah, sure. Um, I think it, <laughs> do you guys really like the last Jedi that much? Like that, like you, do you really think that him throwing the lightsaber over the shoulder is like a, no, 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 thing? I, I agree. I mean, I agree that that was a silly scene. Um, but like the, the point that I'm making on that is that I think it's, it's one of those things where they, why why do we have to make every single thing about this character some expanded universe like oh he was given the name solo by some guy at a station as he was trying yeah. to escape from some something some recruitment yeah. officer that has no bearing on the story whatsoever i know yeah why why like, can't okay. why can't yeah. he just have the name han solo you know why why can't that just be his name to begin with i don't that just seems yeah. stupid to me so i mean that's the no. point i was making no i agree with you though the, the sh- lightsaber over the shoulder i well, it's just I, I thought that that moment like, was probably could have been better i like i don't agree with the move of the the of that moment in the last jedi i just thought that the way that it was delivered and much like everything in the last jedi the cheesiness of everything that is done is the crux of why that movie failed in a lot of aspects um i think that it's if they just I feel like sometimes they just don't give enough like thought. Like that's a big thing. Solo's last name. <laughs> that's like, it's yeah. a huge deal. You yeah, know, don't do it. Don't make it some little comic bit, like an offhanded. Oh, I'm going to name you Han Solo. Oh, you're it's alone. Like, so you're solo. 
<laughs> yeah, it just seems I don't know. That was that was dumb to me. Um, what did you guys think about Han joining up with the Empire? I I don't I don't know. I kind of liked it. I like the idea that he got his initial start as an infantryman in the Empire, and that he kind of honed those skills or discovered or had like more of an insight to the Empire than we maybe knew. And that, but to kind of come back to your point dave um to me and we talked about this a little bit and this might be jumping ahead but i always thought the lore or the canon for han solo was that he was an orphan raised by chewy so to not have a last name i think would have made a lot more sense if he was an orphan and if he was to just randomly get the last name solo if they were going to stick to that canon I maybe would have accepted it more, but the fact that he he had a child, he had a dad. Like yeah, he, he does, said he had a dad. He has so people. he would have a last name. Yeah. So yeah, to kind of come back to that, uh, yeah, <laughs> I just think that that was kind of a letdown. Um, that that's how he was given the name Solo. And I, you know, okay, so, and, and moving on from the solo last name, I thought that the whole bit, I, I think it's fine that Han went to the Empire and that he was mm-hmm. failed at the pilot academy, yeah. and then he was in the infantry, but it kind of has that moment of them giving directions, and Han's like, well, I don't know, I feel like we're the hostiles invading here, and it just... It kind of felt like the Han shot first thing where it's like, why are we giving this character like a moral center when we don't even need this? You know, they could have just skipped that whole thing. And it, I don't know. It just seemed a little it seemed a little cheeseball for me. And uh, for something, it just rubbed me the wrong way. Like almost all of him fighting with the Empire. I was just not really into that. And then uh, I think it was great for him to meet up with uh, whatever the character's name that Woody Harrelson is playing. Um, I thought that that was, that was great that he met him and yeah, Beckett and all, all of that took off in the way it did. But uh, I don't know. There's, there's just that, that long period um, up until even after what we're talking about currently. Uh, But some the way all of that was handled was just, I I liked, uh, I kind of liked how like real world they made the empire. The suits though. Well, yeah, the, the suits out, and like, the, the armor. I thought that it was, was very cool. Return of the Jedi. Um, what the rebels are wearing in Return of the Jedi mm-hmm. it felt very similar to that, except for an empire. And like feel you know, it, it so. kind of firsthand shows them like taking over a planet and kind of like I kind of liked that. I was I was Fighting into in the mud. Yeah, I was into that that battle. Apparently, that mud scene though of him and Chewie took like three weeks to film. Wow. Yikes. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. I honestly don't know how I don't know how I feel about it. I don't know. I just saw it the one time, but it's just it's tough to weigh in. There was something about it that I didn't enjoy that first time I saw it. How'd you maybe, feel? How'd you feel about him meeting Chewbacca? Didn't love that either. No, that I was another that. thing. I mean, that was just kind of, again, at odds with the canon that I was familiar with. Um, and to have Chewie as the beast. I mean, when they initially the introduced him, <laughs> you thought that it was going to be a, a rancor just based on the sounds that's what i thought no i know and it was it was so reminiscent of that that you felt like that they were kind of it mm-hmm. felt like in the first like 30 minutes of this film it felt like everything was just some sort of homage to everything that's come before it sure. you know what i mean it just it felt less like a story and more like a clumsy 
uh, group of references to other things. And mm, this is how Han Solo did this. And this is how Han Solo did this. Aren't you loving it? And it just it just took forever to get up, you know, to really get some legs underneath it and start moving. And yeah, I didn't I didn't love the way he met Chewie. I thought that that was kind of silly. Also, it kind of made Chewie seem like more of a beast than I think he actually is. I think what's always great. Well, he like dismembered about, like exactly like it's humans like, and stuff. Have I'm they like, oh actually been feeding people to Chewie? Because I think that what's so great about Chewbacca in, you know, the original trilogy is that you always get the feeling that Chewie looks like this large beastly figure, but he's actually a very intelligent uh, creature underneath. You know, there is really an intelligent person under there he's just a you know he's he's a wookie so he i I don't know i I always assume that and obviously is an intelligent being but um i don't know i just i just felt like that started it's weird to think that he's munching on munching on humans (laughs) yeah and dismembering them so weird they're like he hasn't been fed in a few days we didn't feed the beast for yeah yeah, let's I watch him that. eat it. It's like Chewie's eating people. That's awful. <laughs> yeah, I don't like that. <laughs> I, know. I know exactly. It just it just seemed weird to me. Um, so all of that I wasn't that into. But then you know they go meet up with Beckett and wonder I if they were Chewy. Um, they met up with Beckett and I thought that was fine. Um, but that they also introduced one of the my least favorite characters in the whole film. Man, the the armed four armed alien almost John you know Favreau. primate you guys didn't John like Favreau him? he was oh, driving me absolutely really. bananas dude he, he was, was one of my favorites it was way too much monkey business for me so <laughs> um i know he was yeah no i seriously I, when he died i leaned over to zach and i was like thank god yeah. <laughs> see that's was, how i felt about L3. the droid yeah. i hated the droid yeah, but i'm I right liked, there with you i, liked, yep. I think i don't think time, i hated l3 that much i i just i wasn't like into l3 i was like i'm fine with her going uh the prime the the monkey though i was actually vehemently not enjoying i was kind of surprised that thandy newton uh died i didn't think that she would die as quickly as she I did. didn't either <laughs> yeah that was that was into yeah I, I mean uh as far as the monkey goes um i think the reason why i didn't or why i uh why i liked him is just because it was john favreau the entire time i was going who's doing that voice i know and i wasn't really paying attention to the dialogue like it wasn't annoying me and then i realized it was favreau and i was like oh sweet I love this little guy. So yeah. I think that's kind of why I liked him so much. I wasn't, I didn't know it was John Favreau. Um, I didn't and know, then, and I didn't and like it. Dying and, is, yeah, yeah. May was, was fine. <laughs> we just called her May. Um, she was I fine. Liked, see, I liked all that. I loved that that heist scene and the all that. Scene, and the pirates okay, coming I take it in. Back. And stuff. I liked the heist scene a lot. I thought that was cool. The heist that scene was, was cool. I, I agree. The heist scene was cool. I just didn't like the monkey yeah. talking the whole time. Every time well, he jumped he's dead. in. Okay. And you know, <laughs> it's gone, so, so we don't have to worry about it. anymore. Well, he's dead, Dave. So <laughs> you got what you wanted. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> on the topic though, I think of people dying and we touched on it a little bit. L3. Um, I remember in the theater, uh, the kid behind me was like, Oh no, L3. And Dave and I just kind of looked at each other and were like, oh, so glad. Oh, yeah. no. And I, I think I looked over at him and I was like, <laughs> don't care. 
Yeah. No, yeah, Elfrey I agree. sucked. I, I, I mean, I, I thought it was funny that she had this, like, uh, this, um, this, uh, free freedom and equality rights for droids. I thought that was funny. It All was like that kind of was like, it felt like they were pressing issues from modern day society in my face, just way too much. And I was like, it could have been like an equality okay, for women, Disney, equality for like, droids type thing. And like with but, Lando's kind of like, you know, whatever, what I, have you? Yeah, like, I was just I like, think okay. that, I mean, we can get into this too, but the, the L3 thing, I, I mean, I understand why they did that. And I thought it, I thought it was funny because the droids have always kind of been like an allegory for slavery or something like sure. that. And it's, and it's fun. You know, I, I get it. It was just. I don't know. It was just kind of an annoying character at parts. She kind of, at first I didn't like her and I did enjoy the little conversation that she had with Amelia Clark. Yeah. At whatever Kiara, point that yeah. was. And so I'm on the fence about L3. I didn't miss her when she died though. No, that's for it sure. It didn't bother me. Um, I didn't, I didn't like actively <laughs> dislike so her like I did out by with that the scene. eight boy. Yeah. <laughs> Lando holding that thing. I was like, uh, well, let's hold, is- hold on before we b- let's get to that l- a little bit later. Um, so the high scene was cool, though. Definitely enjoyed that. Uh, I enjoyed how they had to disconnect and drop the cargo load and, and all that. I thought that was very enjoyable. Sets it all up, kind of. Yeah, sets it up. And so then they go to meet. Is it Dryden? Yeah. Yeah. And so uh, the other two characters have died. And great Beckett, acting. Uh, and Beckett is like, no, you don't understand. Like, if you go and meet this guy, you're in it for life because he's going to hold us accountable for whatever we just lost. And I thought that the setup for that character was really good. I enjoyed the whatever they were on, some sort of barge or something like that. And it was reminiscent of the cantina scene. There has to be a cantina scene in every single Star Wars movie. Yeah. So, sure. Fine with it. I liked I liked this one, though. Did you like the the uh, the music? Like I did. The singers? I, yeah, I, I really like green weird. bottled guy. <laughs> it was like all I don't know, kind of. I know, I totally. I thought it was. I thought it was good, hack. and I no, and I 50s. like that they're. I like that they're expanding upon that and doing something new rather than just trying to recreate a cantina scene. Um, and that was, you know, a failed. Uh, a failed idea that they had in the last Jedi, but I didn't disagree with the idea of having it, the cantina scene be like an upper class poker room. You know, I thought that that was fun. It just didn't work as well as they would have liked. Spent too um, much time in there. Yeah. Way too much time. Um, but the cantina scene way was very tight. This one and this one, it, it was very good in this. And I definitely enjoyed him seeing the character of Kira for the first time. I really liked uh, them kind of getting to know each other after because i think it's been about three years so now they're probably both in assuming their early 20s um hopefully of drinking age um and <laughs> i if not oof, what are you doing prob- on that law and underage yeah. drinking age. what are you doing <laughs> get your priorities straight but ah. that was that was cute and uh then you get you get introduced to the vision and as always <laughs> vision <laughs> as my always lord, my ladies <laughs> Everyone else not seated on a cushion? 
Sorry, I stole it from you. I just love delivering that line. Uh, overacting, as usual, Paul Bettany giving 150% in everything. <laughs> it's, it's, it's good, it. though. It's so good, always. <laughs> it's fine. He's great, yeah. I, I actually liked him a lot more than I thought I would miss. I thought he was quite a good villain, and uh, I really enjoyed his entire... The veins uh, on the face that like got more red as he got more mad and stuff. Oh, I was those like, were veins? Sweet. I thought those were scars. Or scars or whatever they were. I don't know. If they got redder, yeah, they'd be veins. Yeah. They got like super flush when he would get mad and start like kind of pulsating out. I was like, dang. Also, the uh, the little like <laughs> crappy little lightsaber knife he has that <laughs> it's like this is his crazy weapon, but it's just like okay, that thing kind of sucks. Like with all this stuff that you can get, apparently all this merchandise and stuff you've gotten around the galaxy, can't you just find a lightsaber or something? Yeah, no <laughs> kidding. A fine addition to his collection. No, only a, a true Jedi can use the kyber crystals to construct a real the kyber. lightsaber. The kyber crystals. I want one of four to four to one with me. Force with me. Good character. Good stuff. He is a good character. He was. Yeah. He really was. Um, so but moving on, so they talk to him and he's like, I'm gonna kill you unless you come up with that. And I really loved this is I think that this is where Alden Aaron Reich suddenly started becoming Han Solo. Because up until you know, he seemed he was good throughout the entire movie. I was enjoying it. But when he starts negotiating with uh with dryden in this scene it was very han solo to me and it was it was very good and i think that i think that he does a good job of trying to recreate uh the harrison ford persona but also doing it in his own way and i think that he can do it as a younger han solo as well so i think that he really came into his own in this scene and he had a he had a lot of good lines um and the bargaining and not being that you know, Han Solo is always kind of just like, uh, you know, just making stuff up as he goes. And he never really is prepared, but he always seems to just pull something out of his bleep to uh, to get things accomplished. So I, I don't know. I thought it was I thought it was great. I, I love this scene. <laughs> what are you going to make fun of me for the pulled something out of his bleep? Out of his bleep. Out of his bleeper. Well, you can't swear, but I don't know what else to say. And I swear. By the moon and the stars and the sky, I'll be there. Um, I liked it too. Yeah. Can we talk about some of his uh, memorabilia? (laughs) Yeah, what was that? Was that Jenga? Do we want to talk about that yet? No, what did he have? He had had, uh, Mandalorian armor, Boba, or Jenga Fett's armor. Did he really? Was it Jenga Fett? It, I mean, it only it ever showed kind of like the shadow of it, you know? I think it was one of them. And then he had like the crystal skull from Indiana Jones. And <laughs> Oh, wow. Uh, oh, did he really? I, I don't. I'm joking about that. But no, no, I think you're right. Well, I saw they, something um, about. But it was the it was a crystal skull. Um, yeah, they and, said there was there was Indiana Jones stuff in this movie. Oh, really? So, well, yeah. Then that was definitely said. it. I don't know um, who said, but they did. There was something else too on that barge that there was another uh, reference, I believe. I'm trying to, did you guys see any other? No, I can't think of anything. Okay. I didn't catch a lot of the references. Well, I definitely uh, know there the, was the Boba Fett armor. That's the thing about seeing this movie one time is that I think there's a lot that I probably would notice the second time. Mm-hmm. But I was, I well, was that, see, much that's in- the thing. That's what kind of makes a uh, honestly a good movie for me in the theaters is one that I walk out of going, I want to go see that again. 
you know? Yeah, and, and like, I totally want to see this again. Yeah, I do too. I might show I think up I like go 45 again. minutes late, but... Yeah, I mean, you you know, there's <laughs> there's definitely forgettable moments in it, but um, it's just funny. It's so funny how you, like, I walked out of this thing just going, like, I just couldn't not like it for some no, reason. Totally. I was, like, disappointed I that I, like, I that I liked it so much. And now that we're right. talking about it, I'm realizing that I like, I like really like this. Like, no, really. I agree. Well, let's get to, let's get to arguably, this is probably my favorite part of the movie. Um, not only my favorite character, but my favorite scene of the movie may have been the introduction to Lando Calrissian because when they walk into so they come up with a plan and they need to go get somebody that has a ship. And so they go to Lando Calrissian and, uh, he was doing a spot on Michael D. Williams or B- Billy, me, D. Billy Williams. D. Williams um, impression. Oh, but uh, he was doing a Billy D. Williams impression when they came in. And then once it actually shows uh, Michael Douglas. <laughs> Good luck. It's like, where are we going? <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It was like, I messed up that name. And so then I thought it was funny just to throw another wrong name out. Michael um, Douglas. Yeah. But uh <laughs> Michael Keaton was uh, Birdman. <laughs> and but, back to Maggie but, Gyllenhaal. But, <laughs> Danny Glover was sitting at the table, and I thought that that was really great. No, but Donald Glover did a really fantastic job of uh, encapsulating the feel of what Billy D. Williams did with the character of Lando in the original trilogy. And I really enjoyed that intro and sitting down at the poker table. And, you know, as a Star Wars fanboy, these are the things that poker, huh? You would excuse me, Baca, or what is it? Excuse me, Sabak, Sabak. Thank you. I hardly um, even know her. Uh, Sabaker. <laughs> did I say poker table? Yes. Oh did. boy, I'm all over. Yeah, the same the thing. Boy, I'm all over the Baca. place. You can Fan, turn this up, Danny, so it makes me sound more poker. intelligent about my Star Wars. Oh right? yeah, I'll edit this whole thing to make. <laughs> Everybody sound amazing. Yeah. Uh, so the Sabak table, he sits down and that's something that we all have speculated as to how this whole thing goes down. And I really enjoyed seeing the dynamic of Lando and Han talking for the first time. And so that was that was one of the best parts of the movie. And also the fact that Lando was cheating, I thought was a great moment. Yeah, um, I like that. And, you know, they're both. I think it was very good that Han sits down and he really. He really is Han Solo in that scene, and I think that they're they develop kind of a mutual respect for one another in playing Sabak. So that was that was that was great as well. Any any thoughts on that scene, guys? I don't want to completely dominate the conversation. Um, uh, uh it's funny because you say it's like is he's your favorite character, and uh, I walked out of the movie theater thinking, I mean, like all creatures aside, droids aside, I think that Lando was actually my least favorite character. I didn't, hmm. I didn't really, really like Donald. I didn't. I didn't really like Donald Glover's performance. I just wasn't that into it. I mean, I liked like when they were walking. I liked that uh, Baca scene or whatever, and I liked <laughs> Chewbacca. <certain> scene. <laughs> Baca, Baco, it's a Baca. Zach. Um, is cool. That's why we have Zach here. He's the expert. Yeah. Oh yeah, number one. I like the Baca. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I don't know. I just uh, I think that he did a great job impersonating the voice and stuff. Um, and I don't think it was necessarily Donald Glover's fault. I just didn't really like the writing for the character. Um, I didn't like kind of just 
who he was, if that makes sense. And um, I also think like when him and Alden were standing next to each other, Alden's performance was just so much better to me that I just kind of felt like he literally was just impersonating Billy D. Williams and playing that character from that movie. And then looking at Alden playing his own kind of version of Han or Han. Um, oh yeah. That know. was fun. That it, was that really was, funny. I actually it, really it, did like that. that they brought that it, up. It just, it made me not, I don't know. For some reason, I just wasn't really that into him. Um, and maybe I've, I, I don't know. And I love Donald Glover. I love Childish Gambino. I love, love everything about that guy. I just, for some reason, the character wasn't that, wasn't too into it. Hmm. So my thought on that is uh, the reason uh, I liked Donald Glover's performance so much is because he did such a spot on impression of Lando Calrissian. And I think to me, he can be afforded that because Lando was not as big of a role in the original trilogy. So to get more of a original trilogy feel, I think he is allowed to do an impression. Whereas Alden had to kind of come up with his own because we got so much really good solo. Um, That's just my thought. I, you know, I understand the merit of, you know, not liking him because he did just such a close impression of Billy D. Williams, but to me, like I said, I think he's allowed to do that because we didn't get as much. Yeah. That's a great point. Him. Great point. That's, that's just my two cents. Well, and spoiler alert, I mean, I think that they're going to carry these into more movies, and I think so that... So he can develop his character a lot more. And I they're think saying so, that and they're, th- they might make a... Trilogy. Didn't they say that's that they're going to make, saying. like, his a own Land- movie? Lando's they might have a whole movie. Lando movie. Mm. And I think that that... I think That'll that it fail. is... Yeah, I don't know. But I think it is interesting that if they do carry it on, I think that we might remember the character of Lando Calrissian as Donald Glover more than Billy D. Williams. And I know that that's a pretty ridiculous thing to say because Billy D. Williams is the original Lando. But I think that, you know, at the end of the day, if they do make more of these movies, he probably will have more screen time as Lando. And so I think it is cool that he did such a spot on impression and he also added to the character in, in a sense. And I think that he really, you know, Donald Glover is a really smooth guy and that's who Lando is supposed to be. Yeah. He's a smooth, slick guy. Um, and so I think I enjoyed seeing that. And I loved, uh, we'll get to that. I, you know, cause you know, the word Lando is synonymous with traitor. So I think it's very, it's very fun that they kind of played with that later on in this movie as well. Proximo. Proximo. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) Sure. Yep. Uh, I'm with (laughs) you. Approximately. Um, But so after that, they get Lando on board and I was, I, what did you guys think about the Falcon in this movie? When they introduce the Falcon, it's got a boot on it. And yeah, I I thought I I thought it was you know I liked it. I liked the uh, prist- how he had kept it so pristine, and that's so Lando to keep everything so smooth and shiny. But that's so at odds with what Han Solo is, you know. So I liked that because it is Lando's ship. It started off just so pristine, and I liked that they mentioned that he had recently put the escape pod in it because you look at that beautiful new ship and you're like, that's not the millennium Falcon that we know. And 
I love, and this might be skipping forward a little bit, but I love that they jettison the escape pod and then you're like, there's the Falcon, you know, yeah. that, that indent in the center. So I, I like the Falcon. I like how we were introduced to it. Um, and I mean, it's just, that's, it's a character of itself, you know, it's, that's another beloved character, the Millennium Falcon. So I'm the right. Falcon. Yeah, I'm Falcon. <laughs> <laughs> uh, also, uh, Ron Howard's camera work in there. Like there was a there was a shot where um, Alden was walking into like the Bay Bridge or I mean whatever that thing is like the the main little steering section, um, and he was walking through it and it like followed him almost as like his eyes walking into it and it kind of opened up. And it, uh, yeah, I think some of the, some of, uh, Ron Howard's camera work in this film is pretty darn there, good. Actually, was, I'm glad you brought that up. There was a scene, um, where he's, he's, uh, shooting his, his blaster and he's kind of backing up into the Falcon and it like goes oh, dark. Yeah. I loved that shot. I thought that was goes a really dark good and shot. It kinda, but you still kind of like see, see the, the red the blaster. Bl- yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so just to touch on, uh, Ron's Ron Howard's uh, ability, and I mean that just comes with experience. I mean he's done so uh-huh. many great movies. Well, and that's kind of interesting. I think too. Um, how do you guys feel about? I think that Ron Howard came in and reshot like something 80%, like eighty percent yeah. of this movie. Um, I thought that that was really interesting. I I'm kind of I'm just very curious which scenes were done by uh, Lord and Miller. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm really curious to know which which moments of the movie were Ron right. Howard and which of the what few moments were uh, Lord and Miller. And maybe maybe it was the the moments of the movie that we didn't like as much. You know, it could I, I don't I don't know that that's I'm curious about that. That but is interesting. Yeah, I think this is a really well shot movie though. I think that yeah. they did they did a really great job with the camera work. Um, I thought the aesthetic of the movie was a little boring this is something we should have talked about already but uh i mean you know just like the general look of the movie is rather kind of blah you know like the color palette and all of that i think that it wasn't quite that vibrant but it definitely i think that speaks to the tone of the movie though i mean it does han solo scum and comes from scum so and they're dealing with a gritty and dirty aspect it's not you know it's not going to be shiny it's not yeah. like the last Jedi cinematography where it's just beautiful, kind of just like crazy color. Right. Uh, there was this color tone in the just, galaxy. You know, yeah. Green screen. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, no, yeah, I agree. That, that was just something I, I thought about during the movie. It was just kind of like, it's not particularly lovely to look at the whole time, but it does lend itself to the tone of the character and the tone of the story. So um, I enjoyed that. Where were we? Oh, they go to Kessel, right? To steal mm-hmm. what's the product or the Hi. the ore that they're trying to get? Hi. Coaxium or something? Coaxium, like? there is that it? Is. Plutonium? <laughs> Plutonium. Uh yeah, coaxium, I th- I believe. So yeah, they it's go coaxium. They go to try to get some raw coaxium and then it's gonna be refined at a different planet. Uh different planet. And I really enjoyed as soon as they brought up the word Kessel, I was like, Tight. Kessel run, baby. Yeah, here we go. That's gonna be great. Uh so that that was exciting and I really liked the the heist aspect of the movie when they go and you know, the whole plan that 
the the Chewie and Han go in and infiltrate, and they actually grab the stuff and handcuffs. And Chewie and handcuffs. Chewie and handcuffs again. Yeah, that was very fun. Um, what what else happened in that scene? I'm trying. I'm trying to think. Where Lando was Revolution. sitting on the ship and he was doing his Twitch feed. Uh, <laughs> L three nice. was on there. And she was go- she was manning the control room, and then she starts a small revolution within, uh, which ultimately ended in her death and caused a lot more problems than it did solve any. Uh, but I-, I wonder if they could have gotten away with this whole thing had she not done any of that. I guess we'll see. What was Amelia Clark's role, though? She took out somebody. She she was the she was leading the prisoners in. She was leading yeah, Han yeah, and she was like- in, and she got hold of the control room right the control room she to let them in them to let them in yeah. oh and another thing i loved the uh the reference to billy d williams in return of the jedi it's the same mask that uh uh tobias oh, oh yeah yep. that was good that was i like that, that a lot. wearing yeah right yeah i like that i like the scene that uh han solo um goes around the corner and it's like w- right where the wall to the coaxium is and he like takes out that guard and then it goes back to Woody Harrelson. And he's like, yeah, nice. Impressive. Or they, they like say something that like, it wasn't even a joke, but it was just kind of like both of them looking at the screen, like, dang, nice move, you know, mm-hmm. kind of a thing. And I kind of smiled and got happy. I liked when Amelia Clark totally took that, uh, whoever, I don't know, maybe it was an alien out in a very cool way. And yeah. You immediately oh, yeah. thought in your head, oh, she's got something going on. Like the on. cape swirls, and you're like, wow, she's actually a pretty accomplished uh, fighter. Fighter, yeah. Combatant. So, combatant, yes. Yeah. Well, she was uh, in Terminator Genesis. Yeah, she's been trained in some sort of mystical arts. <laughs> Amelia Clark, most known for Terminator Genesis. <laughs> for Terminator. <laughs> <laughs> for um, looking exactly like Sarah Connor. <laughs> <laughs> she did look a lot like Sarah Connor. She did. I didn't see the movie, but. It was okay. I actually enjoyed some of it. It's not a well-made movie. But She's been quoted as saying nobody had fun on that set. Really? Yeah. Wow. And then she also has been quoted nope. saying that uh, Ron Howard saved this movie. Wow. So. Okay. There's, there's, yeah. Ron Howard, yeah. A New Hope. Only uh, uh, Academy-nominated director that Star Wars has ever had. Poor George. It's arrested development. I know, I know. <laughs> All through the movie, I was thinking... Like Ron Howard, especially like the beginning part, like, and here's the story of how Han met Chewie. Yeah, yeah I know. So that or at the end when he's like, uh, I've got 30 trained assassins that I can snap my fingers and they'll be out. He doesn't. He doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> Something he like that could be very. Funny. Oh, yeah, that'd be great. Yeah. So uh, but I thought that the whole scene of the of them stealing the coaxium, I thought was great. And then uh, another Wookiee showed up. But didn't well, uh, stick there was, around. it was a bunch of them. It was uh, they were a bunch of slave. And that's workers. why that's why Chewie was left was yeah, to go to help them. It was out. a whole yeah. clan of Wookiees. Mm-hmm, it was a right. walk. Oh, gaggle of Wookiees. Yeah. What do you call a bunch of Wookiees? <laughs> a, gaggle? <laughs> a gaggle a woggle <laughs> it's a woggle a woggle uh, yeah, a woggle a woggle of <laughs> that's the pluralization of wookie uh, that's great woggle a woggle <laughs> uh but uh yeah so and, and i like that when when wookie return uh just to say it's so stupid i love i love wookie come back uh, when Chewie comes back to back. save 
<laughs> save <laughs> on and be able to uh, get all the coaxium on on board the Falcon. <laughs> I thought that was great, and um, that he was the only one strong enough to deal with it. Right, right. Oh, I have twelve more to do. Yeah. Um. You know, this is something that we actually haven't really focused on that much, and I think it is a valid conversation that we should have, and it comes into play in the upcoming scene. Um. But how do you? How well do you think they've done it establishing the relationship between Chewbacca and Han thus far in the movie? I know that they have a couple scenes immediately after the heist, and I I really enjoyed that. You know. I thought that it was kind of cheesy that Han like was like, you know, doing all the hooks. Nice speak the yeah. I thought that was kind of lame, but oh, I, yeah, I didn't like that. Yeah. yeah. I did enjoy the scene after though, of, you know, establishing trust between those two characters. And then after, during the heist, they have the moment where, uh, Chewie almost dies and Han tries and Han saves him. Han saves him. And then Wookiees have like, they take that life debt pretty seriously. I think. Right. The Wookiees just in canon. Yeah. Also, if I'm when not he's mistaken. Like, much like a yeah. Gungan. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you it still have a on... life dead with these Wookiees and Easy. <laughs> it depends on the Woggle that you're talking about because <laughs> a lot of different. <laughs> <laughs> um no i the scene also in the middle of that heist when he lets Chewie go to like go save the other um the whole woggle over there um the whole all the other wookies like when when he's like all right man you know it's been nice knowing you kind of a thing yeah i felt like that kind of strengthened their bond too it's that like, established a lot of trust between the two of them uh-huh he's like you right. go yeah. Anything else before this, though? I just don't wanted to give us a moment to catch no, our that's, breath and that's talk a about good, the relationship. That's a good point because I two. mean that's that's a huge aspect of the original trilogy is these two are a pair, and uh, their their trust and their love for one another is a big part of why I think that we love Han Solo. And I mean Chewbacca and Solo is synonymous. You know, yeah. it's like yeah. you think Han, you think Chewie. Yeah, I'm getting like teared up just thinking. I just for some reason was like doing a flashback in my mind of all the relationship or the Aww. moments between them, and then in the Force Awakens when yeah. when Han dies, that yell that Chewie lets yeah. out, and now just thinking about them starting out, it's actually really good. I really, I mean, I did enjoy that this that part of this movie, and I think that they did a good job of. You know, I think that a lot of it is just the mutual respect that goes between the two. I mm-hmm. think that Chewie is like continually impressed with Han during this this movie and like gosh I like this guy well it's and a it's, good time, it's you the know? start of a beautiful relationship yeah um, type yeah. of thing and if they are going to do a trilogy we have a lot more misadventures to come yeah you know? how totally. do you guys like the uh, how do you guys like Chewbacca the actor that played him that was great well, yeah I That's thought the body cool. movement was great yeah. and I thought that the uh, was really spot on. Uh, I don't know who exactly yeah, was doing the voicing the, of him, but yeah, yeah, yeah. They definitely. did a really good job, I, and that's something that you know that should be noted. I think that they did a really good job of uh, of making Chewie seem like Chewie, and something that that happened in the Last Jedi and in the Force Awakens is that Chewbacca looked really slick. He looked much more groomed or something like that. Yeah. And I mean, I thought he looked fine. Like, I didn't like have any problems with it. But this seemed much more like the mangy Chewbacca that I know from the first ones. So uh, I I did enjoy that that part of this movie. Um, But that moving. Go ahead. 
Who? Well, who is the original guy that played Chewbacca? Peter Mayhew. Yeah, Peter Mayhew. This is the first. This is the first film that he wasn't on wasn't, at correct. all. Was all well, the other guy was actively portraying Chewbacca in a lot of scenes uh-huh. in the Last Jedi for sure, and maybe even I could the Force tell Awakens. more. It seemed like it wasn't. He wasn't as chewy in. Uh, the Last Jedi, but this one he yeah. seemed to do a lot better. I thought, dude played basketball at Penn State. Did he really? Seven footer, yeah. tall boy. Yeah, need well, to tall boy. He hit a home run with this one. Uh, <laughs> yes. No, I think he did a the lot wrong better. sports reference. <laughs> 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 well, I got a hole in one with this. <laughs> uh, but so, but you know, I yeah, Chewie was great. But the relationship between those two characters really hits, you know, it hits a floodgate in this in this next scene because in the Kessel Run, oh man, this, I mean this this upcoming scene is so good. So they have the coaxium on board, and it's going to coagulate at a certain point. I have no yeah, idea what happens, but it's going to explode yeah. if they don't get there quick enough. And so, you know, Lando says something. Nobody's ever done the Kessel Run in less than twenty parsecs, and Han's like, oh, I think we got this, and. It proceeds to be one of the funnest sequences I've ever seen in a Star Wars movie. Like them freaking running through and avoiding the Empire. The Empire shows up and they're dodging these TIE fighters. And what's his face? Beckett is in, you know, he's in the turret and shooting at them. And then they get rid of those guys and they start having to dodge this huge biological creature. And there's always some giant crazy monster alien, always a bigger fish, you know, to quote the Scottish Jedi from Phantom phantom menace um i really enjoyed that entire scene um i don't want to dominate the conversation on this one though so uh let's kick it to zach what, what do you think about just the entire kessel run and how they handled it and so uh just right out, i mean just starting it uh sequentially um you know the i'm trying to remember what uh, in the original trilogies he's like this is um outrun um cruisers and not the whatever, but the what's the quote again? The bulk, mind you. Do you remember the quote? No, I'm sorry. I'm... It's in it's in a New Hope, but it oh, just no. it just <laughs> makes me think. Uh, it just makes it just uh, called back to that scene for me when he's like, "This ship can outrun, um, you know, those." And and when that when that yeah the big ship showed up, it just called back to that scene for me and then right 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 just so many so many good references when when chewy sits down i i know that dave and i both kind of turned to each other and i had a big smile on my face when it was like finally like han and chewy sitting in well he tells he tells he tells kira to sit there and you're like no no no, this is not right right. and then and then he does it and he's like oh you know how to fly whatever you know that was kind of like whatever but then when he sits down, I got a big old smile on my face. I was like, here it is. Yeah. We're home. You know, well, type of thing. To steal Ooh. the mic for just one second, um, I I loved the John Williams score being yeah, incorporated into that, that in. because they had when Beckett was on the turret, it was doing the and then it was the and did the asteroid chase music when they were running away from the uh huge monster the alien monster and that was when kira was kind of failing at her job a little bit and chewy made that adjustment started flipping on toggles and stuff like that and what do you guys think about the 190 years old line 
not. Uh, that was not my favorite. Not and, my favorite. And it was in the like trailers, it. so it was like, uh, okay. Yeah, it's jokes, fine. Joke's over. It was I fine. But but when <laughs> Chewie sits down, they go. I know. I mean, that was like. I don't know, man. I got really big fanboy chills. I know. Just like, I almost teared up. Dude. That like, was good. It was, yeah. it was fun. That was that was really effective, and it and it hit me really big there. So I mean, that was that was awesome. I freaking loved that entire scene. That was. I mean, I, I think if the, they're gonna do the castle run, they did such a good job of yes. it. Um, Danny, why don't you 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 grab the horn here? Anything you want to add to the castle run conversation? Zach, did you have a point uh, really real quick? It took a lot. I, parsecs are a lot longer than I always envisioned them being. <laughs> yeah, sort of pictured seconds or something, right? <laughs> kind of pictured seconds the entire time. So it was a lot longer, but I I loved it, dude. It was so sweet. Um, the whole black hole and the big monster going into it, getting sucked down the, the drain. Um, <laughs> that was cool. I liked the whole aspect of them almost getting sucked into and... Woody Harrelson. I mean, I loved, yeah, I liked it all. I liked all the dialogue. I was like, at that point, as soon as that droid died too, I'm hundred percent. I'm in, (laughs) you you know, like there was a couple things throughout the entire film that I was like, I'm in totally don't like that droid though, (laughs) you know, or you guys don't like that monkey. Um, but, (laughs) uh, then you get to, uh, you know, that and droids dead, all that stuff's gone. And, Johnny Johnny Dubs, John Dubs. Yeah. Pulling in. I mean, yeah, can't really go wrong there. And the cinematography, I mean, all that stuff um was fantastic. It was just such a cool plot, you know, like the Kessel Run is this huge like space void thing that like there Aww. is a track to go on it, but you can go off track and they even mentioned it earlier like no ships ever come back or something mm-hmm. like that and uh they go in there and you're like, "Ooh, spooky." You know what's going to yeah. be in there uh, there was also i think it was earlier in the movie um also um the face that danny just made doing that was incredible it was um, um very good there. physical comedy yeah oh, you've been working um, on physical comedy but uh there was a there was a minoc reference somewhere in the movie i forget but i liked the yeah i seems like a good minoc reference there was a couple good things in there and i liked that big monster I, I was mm-hmm. really hoping that there wasn't some big fish thing or something that they flew out of the mouth of again or something. Um, and when it was some big squid brain thing, I was like, cool. A big goober fish. <laughs> it will be. Big like, old goober fish. Goober fish. <laughs> um, I, I really like too, and I, I mentioned this to Dave during the movie, uh, the scene when Woody is on the, or Beckett, or yeah, Beckett, I keep wanting to say Woody Harrelson, but I should, character names um when Woody. he's when he's in the turret Call him whatever you want, uh, i enjoyed that he kind of struggled with it and i told dave i think it's kind of fun that everyone when they first get into that uh turret kind of struggles with how to work it at uh-huh. first and they it's kind of jankety but they get the hang of it so i thought that was really fun that they did another sort of reference to how jankety that turret is and yeah. then just just the process of the falcon getting beat up um that's kind of you know that's kind of how she loses that pristine nature that lando has and how han kind of makes it his own and makes it dirty and grimy and the the escape dirty baby yeah so 
yeah, the Kessel run was, that was a good scene. Sweet. Yeah. Yeah. I think, and honestly, I mean, as far as, you know, space chases and space battles, that was one of my favorite scenes I've ever seen in a Star Wars movie. Like, I really enjoyed that. I'm trying to think of stuff that would, that would outrank that. I mean, and I mean, it's also unfair because it's a new movie. So the graphics and stuff is all really high quality but um i mean yeah i'm I'm a huge fan of that scene get him dad get him get him (laughs) oh gosh this is why i hate flying oh man Um, yeah it doesn't get any better than episode two in the in the asteroid field (laughs) dude nothing gets better than attack of the clones no dude that's what i was hoping to get for like a camino throwback or something you know that's why i'm here that's why i'm here what's the what's the oh gosh Tonwi. Dad, Tonwi's here. Dad, Tonwi's here. Can we get Tonwi instead of Darth Maul, please? <laughs> please. Um, I also loved when they got out of the black hole and Matthew McConaughey had to sit down and watch all the tapes of his kids, like all grown up now and stuff. <laughs> oh, gosh. That's actually that was, so beautiful. Just freaking. Really <laughs> uh, I, think, I think at one point. Maybe it wasn't this movie, but they're like spinning around. And I was like, that's relativity. That's <laughs> relativity. folks. <laughs> you could just see freaking. It's been 30 years. And you're like, well, you don't look like you've aged 30 years, dude. You're like a couple gray hairs. Yeah. Oh, are you talking about interstellar? No, no I'm, I'm full, that's, well, that's full what, blown interstellar. Now we're just. Full okay. But quick interstellar rant though. <laughs> I love that. Um, Oh gosh, what's the kid's name? The kid's name that plays the younger son in Charlemagne. Uh, Charlemagne. Yeah, Timothy Charlemagne. Timothy Charlemagne. Timothy Charlemagne. Charlemagne. <laughs> Timothy Charlemagne. No, not exact. Uh, very good. Very good. Uh, Timothy Chalamet. And then, so nice. Hey, Dad. I think I found a girl. And then fast forward twenty years, and it's, Hey, Dad. I think that yeah, I. Yeah, Casey you know, Affleck. Casey yeah, Affleck's hey, high hey, ass dad. Everybody's voice after puberty goes up an octave, right? I you mean, stole that's, that. That's just normal. What's that? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, they do make that jam- that joke in the yeah. It's okay though. Uh, yeah, yeah. Anyway, so moving on. <laughs> Kessel Run. <laughs> After the Kessel Run, they go to the Sand Planet. Does anyone remember the name of the planet? Uh, see, the thing is, one thing I thought about uh, early on in this movie, I actually kind of liked how in Rogue One they had little names of the planets when they showed up. Um, like every planet they went to, there was like a little name for it. Yeah. I kind of liked that in this movie. They kept like going to different planets, but it never had the, I always kind of oh, like, yeah, knowing that's where yeah. no, that's a good point. I definitely, I, I appreciated that a lot in, uh, in rogue one. And um, they dropped a few names too. They talked about, uh, uh, Camino? No, they, no. <laughs> Tatooine. Geonosis. <laughs> well, they talked about Tatooine, and then they also talked about um, J- Jahar or Jakar, Jakub, Jaku, Jaku. There we go. Yeah. They did talk about that, oh, and I okay. thought that was cool. Um, but what do you think about the uh, the whole you know summation of the movie here when it gets the final the final pull? They get there and the little kid. We're, we're landing. It needs to be unloaded immediately, like immediately. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. That was good. That, was that felt very similar to episode four. We're, we're fine here. Thanks. All fine. Thank How are you? You yeah. know, the very, the very, um, 
casualness of uh of han solo mm-hmm. so I, I liked that a lot um i liked the little kid tuscan readers that was fun uh anything else that we want to bring up <laughs> warwick davis warwick davis hey, willow love seeing him yeah yeah i almost yelled mad mardigan during when he came out <laughs> mad mardigan mad um, uh yeah so that that was fun but uh, what did you think about that whole kind of subplot of those kids the marauders the marauders wanting to help i'm assuming that they're going to help the rebel alliance um and i don't think that you know they're like this is going to help start a rebellion it's like you guys aren't the start of the rebellion mm-hmm. it's padme and uh padme's old father uh I, all Organa. those people at yeah, senator organa bail yeah Bail. I don't know. Bail or I feel like they're they're touching on that pretty heavy in the last two movies, Last Jedi and this. It's like the rebellion. It's gonna be this. You know, they they keep kind of just doing that. It's the normal people that stand up to the empire. Yeah, stand up to the overpower. You know, we're gonna show them. It's like okay, we get it. (laughs) I liked it in this one though. I really, I really, it was good. Yeah, and I liked how that was like a girl, like a little girl. Didn't expect that at all. Yeah, yeah, that was like. Total, Jeez, what total, a twist. Total mind job. I almost fell out of my seat with the surprise on that one. <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, my God. <laughs> so they meet the uh, the little children of the corn uh, Tuscan Raider people, and it's all fine. And so they come up with this plan, except for Woody Harrelson pieces out because he's like, I want no part of this. Uh, it's going to be crazy. I don't want to help these people. So he's out, pieces out. And then Han goes up there to deal with Vision, uh, who will probably be less than forgiving. And I really enjoyed this entire scene. And I liked all of the, um, you know, people going back on things that they said and mm-hmm. uh, the traitorous aspect of it. And suddenly Woody Harrelson comes up and he's like, I'm the other guy, you know, I'm the traitor. So I thought that, that was I thought I enjoyed all that. thought that was great. And uh, yet again. Alden Ehrenreich doing a great job as Han Solo. I think that he farce. was really selling all of that, and it, it was great. And and I loved the fact that they brought the coaxium up, and he assumes that it's fake, and then Paul Bettany realizes, oh, it's actually the real thing. Mm-hmm. So that was that was really cool. But uh, any thoughts on that whole scene? I know that we're going to get to the big big reveal. I've loved it, loved it yeah. all. I re- I was way into it, Paul Bettany. Just his acting is outrageous. Yeah. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> Given 150%. It's like I'm watching a, th- you know, Broadway show. It's amazing. <laughs> King Lear, right in the flesh. What uh, was his character's name? Trident or something? <laughs> <laughs> Trident. <laughs> uh, Dresden. Um, no, I, uh, yeah. So any, anyway, so that, that was good. And then you find out that, uh well what happens they go down there and amelia clark um pretty much you find out that she wants to assume the mantle of whatever dryden was uh real quick there's a fight scene between dryden and han he dies kind of like he's kind of a wimp you think he's gonna be like super tough guy the entire time and he plays super tough guy and then he kind of just gets owned well i think that speaks to how accomplished um Amelia Clark is or mm-hmm. how accomplished Kira is at swordplay. Yeah. Which which is telling because of the next scene 
Right, Ooh. right. And we just want to get to it so bad. It's burning. I know. We're all just okay. Yeah. So whatever. We all. So we'll if you if you're listening to this, you already know what happened in the movie. Uh, we don't need to sit here and dig into it a ton. So she gets on and she uh sends a hologram out to a one Darth Maul. What? And this was like, I don't know, of the things that I expected to see, I was really anticipating there being an Ewan McGregor uh, really cameo or something. I thought movie. there might be like yeah. a post credit scene where he just drops in and goes, hello there. And, <laughs> and I, was, happy I, was looking, I was looking forward to that. But uh, man, I did not expect to see Darth Maul. Not and I, I, I got that kind of. I was overcome with emotion and surprise when Darth Maul showed up. It was kind of that, oh gosh, like I, I just was yeah. like, oh my god, I can't believe that this is happening right now. I was because so jacked, man. It's because he's the best. He's the best looking villain, and he wasn't done that well besides his amazing fighting, but like his dialogue in Phantom Menace didn't really do the character justice. And you see him in that and he's talking. And you're like, what? But also, he's dead. You know, like he. You're like, well, wait. Well, and, and so that's, that. So, yeah, that leads to the Clone Wars and all that talk. So I think that that's. I think that that's kind of where I am excited that they did that in this movie because you know there's a lot of the things, a lot of things that we didn't like about the prequels. There are very uh, numerous things that we didn't like about the prequels, but a lot that we loved. A lot that we do love. And in oh, The Phantom Menace, The Phantom Menace, the one thing that they did get right is that Darth Maul was an awesome freaking character. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I was, I, I just, you know, when I was younger thinking like, man, that guy is just so cool and so tight. And I wish that we got more of him. It sucks that they killed him. And so in the, you know, expanded universe, uh, you have in the clone wars supposedly Darth Maul somehow manages to get out of that shaft that he fell down and he is able to repair himself i think that he pretty much like has a robotic part of his body robotic that connects legs, yeah does he have robotic legs is that the thing yeah that's just what i i am in, not that familiar with clone wars so right. he might be able to speak more in the clone that, wars he has like they're like very much like robotic legs. He might even have like four of them or something. I'm kind of hoping that the direction that they take it is like he just has like two really strong, like kind of normal looking ish robotic legs that repaired themselves instead of going the direction of like like Vader. him being like, yeah, Ooh, hello, you know, Harry Potter, <laughs> I've come to save you, you know, kind of like a, <laughs> I don't know, like a Doc Ock uh, feel. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But, uh, gosh, I was so stoked. Well, Dave and I looked at each other and we're like, Darth Maul, oh my god, oh my god. And then we both kind of were like, wait, he died, that's not Darth Maul. And then we're like, there are other, that's like a species. Yeah, yeah, it's not like he's the only whatever that is. Yeah, I was like, that's not him. But then we checked afterwards and it was supposed to be Darth Maul. It's Darth Maul and it's Ray Park played the body and a guy named Sam, uh, I believe, Whitwer who did the character animations for the force unleashed that guy, the video game. Yeah. He, he did the voice. Right. Apparently. So, and I, I mean, I think that, I think that this is definitely a step in the right direction because in a Mm -hmm. world where you can do anything with star Wars movies, you know, we have so much room to grow and so many things that we can cover. Why not bring back the best villain other than Darth 
Vader. You know, why not bring back Darth Maul? Like we're all looking forward to. Uh, we all love that character. So yeah, we bring, bring in, in Miles play. Finch. We bring in Miles Finch. Uh, but I think that this also is kind of this is my speculation as to what is going to happen here though they're going to bring in darth maul and he's going to be kind of this overarching bad guy into whatever han solo uh trilogy is happening and we're going to get an obi-wan versus darth maul fight eventually and i think that that could be the coolest thing ever i mean incredible it would be unbelievable because it would be to this day the fight between darth maul and Obi-Wan, just that quick little bit where he runs out right runs out right after Qui-Gon gets killed is just the coolest thing ever. Yeah. So uh you know I, don't what's, know. I mean so I don't want to stomp on anybody's feet here, but uh something that I find so interesting is like even though seven, eight, and nine, it's still exciting. They're a trilogy in their own and they're these movies, it feels like this movie kind of made this weird Marvel feeling where it's like whoa, there's so many possibilities, you know? Like, Mm -hmm. they could make, like, a bunch of movies now, and those characters were really great, so I'm, like, willing to watch all these, and, like, if they're done right, it's like, I don't know. It just, it gave a lot of hope to this whole franchise, and Mm -hmm. I'm stoked about that. And the stakes aren't high enough that they're messing with, like, the integrity of the original trilogy, too. Exactly. All of this is kind of just like, yeah. Whatever. The only thing, the only thing with the Darth Maul that worries me is that if, if Han Solo runs into a Darth Maul like entity and he's a force user, then I think that that might ruin parts of a new hope because Han Solo says, I've never seen any evidence of a all encompassing force or uh, whatever, yeah. you know, that divine yeah. or something like that. That's I think one that thing that, they have to stay away from. Yeah. So Han Solo can't really run into Jedi or if like Obi and Han meet up like that can't happen. That can't happen either. So I think that I think that this is a good a good launching off point to bring in a character that could meet up with Obi-Wan later and Gosh, please, please cast Ewan McGregor yes, as Obi Wan. I know Obi against Darth Maul. Uh, just do it. That would be so tight. Like yes. it's. I mean, and we're it all primed for it. And Ewan McGregor's down. Yeah, please. It also brings you to the point of a little boy from Camino. You know what I mean? Um, they just announced it's finalized. There's going to be a Boba Fett film, and uh, these characters are all signed on for movies and stuff. And so what do you think is going to happen? Do you think all of this is going to be like one kind of big thing? Is this Boba Fett story going to continue kind of on this same arc that's going to lead into an Obi-Wan thing that's going to lead into like, is this all going to be the same type thing or are they all going to be separate little stories? Yep. I, I mean, I have no idea, <laughs> that's, man. That's from Boba. Oh, yep. yeah. Yep. That yep. Don Weiss here. No, Don um, Weiss I, here. I think that it, I mean, it could go anyway. I kind of like the idea of them being more separate entities. I think that if the characters run into each other too much, then it takes away from what happens later on. So, I mean, it doesn't seem like it doesn't seem like Han knows who Boba Fett really is. 
Maybe he did because he says Boba Fett right before he kills him in the lamest death ever. But um, Sarlacc pit, Sarlacc pit death. But uh, I don't know. Yeah, I think that I think it could be great. I think that if they were all unrelated, though, in in some way, I think it could be great, too. If they're kind of tied in with one another, but on a somewhat unrelated note, I think that could be fantastic. Picture this. Boba Fett movie. Incredible. Everything happens. It's all in this kind of timeline. And then it just says like 30 years later or something like that. And it's like kind of like the rim of a Sarlacc pit and some things going on. And you just see one single hand go boom and grab the sand and it, then it ends and you're like, Ooh, yeah. Or another thing I saw, I saw this on Reddit was that someone uh, said like, uh, someone stumbles upon uh, Boba Fett's armor from the Sarlacc pit and they don the armor and they get sucked into the adventures that Boba Fett would have. But it's like this unknown person. It's not Boba Fett, just someone wearing his armor. You know what you call it? Slave 2. Oh, it's good. It's good, baby. This thing sells itself. No, I anything with Boba Fett, I think could be fun. Um, so what what my question is, is do you guys think that we should keep playing around in this area in between Revenge of the Sith and A New Hope? Do you do you enjoy the idea of hearkening back on these old characters so much? I think that it, I think it can be fun. I think it's great. And I'm really excited for what they're going to do in the upcoming years. But I'm more so looking forward to, can we please get like an old Republic movie please. or can we oh, get, so you know, I, I know that Ryan Johnson's going to be making an independent trilogy. John um, Favreau. John Favreau is going to be doing the mini series star Wars. And I know that like, Man, a lot that of is us, a lot of content. I know. And I know that like a lot of us aren't as huge of fans as the last of the last Jedi. Um, but I do think that Ryan Johnson still has hope. And I think that if he, if he were to write his own story, something that's completely and uniquely his, I think that we could get something that is very good and very fun. And, you know, I think that he is really into bridging the gap between the prequels and, um, the original trilogy. So if he went in a different direction, something that happened even longer ago in that same galaxy far away. I think it could be, could be great. And I look I forward so. to, I look forward to yeah. a new star Wars story. It's I want to, I want to find you know, out something new. I don't want to keep yeah. playing in the sandbox that we already know about. You know what I mean? It's, I think we're with Ryan Johnson. It's just a thing that like, he was just playing with fire, you know, and he was handed this thing. I think he's a good director. Yeah, I think absolutely. he just got, he, you know, a lot of people, you know, you can accept it or not accept it. Like for me, um, you know, Luke Skywalker, he's the chosen one, Mr. Never give up, you know, never give up on his friends, um, never give up hope. And, you know, he saves the galaxy and then eventually he gives up all hope and goes crazy and tries to kill his nephew. You know, if you want to accept that, then like it's your call. But like, like for me, like my vision and my version of him in my head like he would never do that. And he was playing with a character that like all of us love so much. And so, and like, I feel justified in that because there's a large majority of people that feel the same way as me, you know, but like a lot of it isn't his fault. Like he's just a creative guy and he made some choices that are like crazy tough choices. You know, it's like, 
This is a big franchise that a lot of people love a lot. And like, you took a story that you already loved and you went in a direction that you weren't comfortable with. Exactly. Exactly. And so it's like, I think he could do some good. I mean, I, I think it could be good. I guess we have to wait and see, but yeah. does that kind of make could, sense though? No, yeah, I get you. I think that I, I'm excited for the potential of what he could bring to Star Wars later on. A um, couple other ideas for Star Wars spinoffs I just want to mention. What do you guys think about like a Dexter Jetster standalone movie? Hello, <sighs> Dex. You know, uh, <laughs> Him and the financial <laughs> workings Dex. of running a '50s cafe in Coruscant. I think that that could be could be kind of fun. Um, also, the story of a middle class family <laughs> trying to <laughs> ruined by death sticks. Yeah. Oh yes, yes, exactly. Crime drama, Addiction. crime <laughs> drama about death sticks. I think that that could be really good. Also, Rise of Boss Nass. It could be fun. I think that that could be good. I know that the, I didn't realize, but the Gungans, uh, they actually elected Boss Nass as their leader after he won a trial by combat. Huh. So that could be good. Wow. I know. Yeah. So. He gained a lot. Just like a. Maybe. Maybe. We saw being king. Oh. It sells itself, guys. That was like Robert Baratheon gained a lot of weight. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, exactly. Maybe he used to be this beastly, just freaking incredibly in shape Gungan, but he just really let himself go. <laughs> Whoa, so. yeah, it's a male. We got some women over here. Huh? It's like, oh, gosh. <laughs> <The breastplate> stretcher. <laughs> God. Anyway, I think there's a lot of work that could be done off the prequels. We don't need to just focus in this uh, area in between Revenge of the Sith. And I think so, too. Hope. I think. Yeah. I think I that think Ryan I Johnson, see. it spoke to that idea that, you know, that the Skywalkers don't have a monopoly on the force and they don't they shouldn't have a monopoly on the storytelling because it's so rich and there's so many more characters that they can delve into. So I personally think that they should get away with it, I think, or get away from it. Um, yeah, we've gotten definitely. we've gotten our story and it's been great. It's been a great ride, but. It's time to focus on new stuff, I think. Ladies and gentlemen, that's why he's our number one Star Wars fan. Tube sock. What are you doing with that sock? Hartman. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So promise. Now we're going to talk about. (laughs) Mom, why didn't you knock Hartman? Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Uh, That was good. That was good. That was good. so getting back to the Han Solo movie, I think we've just about covered everything we need to. Uh, Darth Maul comes in. I'm incredibly excited about what could what could happen there. Uh, but Kira takes off in the ship and she supposedly is going to be the head of whatever that Crimson Dawn business is or uh, helping them out in some way. Um, gosh, I kept saying that. I kept thinking Crimson Tide and it just kept throwing me off. Um, but and then Han and Chewie are uh they're declined the invitation yeah. to be part of the rebellion uh which i love because he said it he stated it i'm not the good guy you know mm-hmm. and i think that that's a large part of the character of han is that he doesn't want to be the good guy but he kind of is uh so yeah i enjoyed i enjoyed the movie how did it end did it kind of oh they get into their they're going to tatooine yeah yeah oh but they they go back and he wins the millennium falcon back that was great because oh oh, yes i'm so glad you did okay so that scene 
he like puts his dukes up, you know, to like fight Lando, which was a great throwback. And I think to me that signifies like the way they do that in Empire is to see if he is cheating, if he were to play him, you know, because he does that like that and sees the card and swipes it. And I think that's a great reference to Empire and that to check just to check him. Yeah. Make sure that everything's copacetic and and he wins the Falcon. It's funny. Good. And copacetic. <laughs> Good word. Good word. Yeah. Um, it's funny how like this movie kind of hinged on a lot. And like if it would have been terrible, it would have like ruined made... Alden Aaron Wright. It would just, yeah, it would have ruined uh, careers and it also would have, like, you know, made things weird in four, five, six. But since it was so good, now whenever you watch four, five, six, it's like some of that stuff is like reminiscent. I will say, uh, sorry to drag on, but like the dice, um, I hated the dice concept in Last Jedi. I was like, I've never even seen these before. I know. Why yeah. is this so important? Now, after watching this movie, though, I feel like if I ever were to go back, you know, and watch Last Jedi, I would at least be like, oh, those were the dice. You know, like those were his dice. I don't know. Dice. Yeah. But like no, it, I, it I at least did it at least did some things for me that like helped me, you know, and also like four or five, six. I don't think it ruined anything. And now I'm going to watch Han and Chewie and be like, oh, I remember when they were young, you know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right. But it's, it's funny, too, because, you know, you just, I don't know, Han Solo is such an awesome character. And I'm, I'm yeah. glad that they made this. I was skeptical, but this was this was a bit of real fun. You yeah. know, it was it was it was a great time. And uh, I think that they did a great job with uh, respecting the character and respecting um, the integrity of the original trilogy and just kind of making this its own its own fun thing. And there's things that I didn't like about it. Sure. But overall, I had I had a great time. So I'm I'm super I'm super excited for the promise of what what can come after this. And mm-hmm. uh, I have a lot more confidence, I guess, in Disney after after this. And I'm, I'm looking forward to finishing off the seven, eight, nine and and kind of putting that behind us and, and moving on to, to something new and and grasping onto a new hope, so to speak. Uh, Dave and I were talking a little bit and I don't know how much Dave agreed with me on this, but I felt uh, the end of the movie, you know, solo, we, we have this character, we have Solo, and he's not, to me, he didn't seem, I, I use the word, Alden Ehrenreich seems softer. His Solo seems softer than the Solo that we know. And to me, that signifies a good starting point to where the character is developmentally. And then he gets hardened or more disillusioned because he has to have this uh, ultimate battle against Kira. And I think you know, speculation that he'll have to kill her because she isn't in the original trilogy. And that's what makes him so disillusioned and so unwilling to trust anyone. You know, that that to me, I think, is a good development of character. And I'm glad that they started off where he's a little bit more willing to trust. But we also see why he has those trust issues just growing up where he did. Mm-hmm. So. I, yeah, I definitely same thing yeah i think he was it was great it did a lot for his story i think this movie yeah. did yet again this is why he's our number one star wars fan <laughs> <laughs> zach put a <laughs> zach put a tube sock on the doorknob hartman uh <laughs> zach make sure you knock next time <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty good 
stuff. Okay, great. Well, I, I think that's about all we needed to say, right? That's Zach that's pretty can't good. find yeah. a pair of socks. Okay, <laughs> okay. Let's 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 move on. Easy. Oh, easy, bud. <laughs> uh, but so to ask the standard question, let's go with let's go with Zach first. Would you rather watch this film or School of Rock? Almost always any other film than School of Rock. So, yes, I would watch Solo. No way. Yeah, way. It's a Steven Soderbergh film. It's a Richard Linklater. Or, excuse me, Richard Linklater. Yes, but <laughs> I know how much you guys oh, love it, and I say it every time. <laughs> oh, that's... <laughs> no, that was, that was a general set because we were talking about Steven Soderbergh no, earlier, I know. and I, we he were. was on my mind. That's okay. Uh, yes, I would ra- rather watch Solo than School of Rock. <laughs> say it, Dan. <laughs> say the joke because it's so funny school of rock no doubt no doubt absolutely i would i would truly watch school of rock over this movie school any of rock, day no doubt and uh, i don't care i love school of rock it's one of the best movies oh, ever made you get jack black in a han solo outfit Oh gosh! Oh, MTV God. Movie Awards. That's what we need. We need True that. Jack Black to do a Han Solo parody movie. I love oh. those. And MTV you put KG in like a kind of like a Chewbacca kind of looking thing, right? Oh. oh man, that could be really funny. I think that that so could good. be really good. Oh, you know what? Well, you know what was one actually? I mean, to go back to the movie, one part of the movie, uh, Lando says, "I hate you" to Han, and Han says, "I know." And I thought that that was a great reference yeah. to uh, Empire. I love yeah. you, I know, I hate you, I know. So anyway, but yeah, I think the KG and Jack Black should most definitely do a Han Solo parody <laughs> of Chewie and Han. That could be fantastic. Could be one of the best. So, Well, does that kind of wrap it up? That does. Uh, so. Jack Black, we love you. You're always invited on our show. Anytime you want to join us, you are more than welcome. <laughs> you are the greatest actor and probably the best representative of human spirit and human history. Yeah, absolutely. Um, oh, uh, huge, huge thank you to uh, the Tube Sock, Zach Hartman, for being on today. That was a lot yeah, of fun. Thank you very much, Zach. Thank we appreciate you guys it. for having me. Love it. He's our number it's one Star Wars a, fan. Yeah, number one Star Wars fan. Um, we love number having people on. Number one V for Vendetta on fan. Uh, <laughs> number one V for Vendetta. Number one, uh, apparently not School of Rock fan. Um, but Tanya uh, Harding fan. Tanya Harding. Yeah, I know um, everything there is to know about all these movies that I come on for. So, <laughs> so uh, I'm I'm stoked about this episode. This was a great time. Yeah. Um, anybody out there listening? Uh, we got Zach Hartman here. We have the Professor Jones, aka Dave Jones, the Digs, Danny Jones. You can find us uh, on Facebook, Professor Podcast. Um, you can find me on Twitter, Bro underscore Digs. Anybody else have any handles they want to? Shout out any Twitter, Facebook, anything like that. You guys. Well, we're on Twitter, Professor underscore podcast. I know Dave's on Instagram and I'm going to shout him out because he's got some great pics. Dave TJ 23. Uh, you follow him. I'm on I'm on Instagram. Uh, Daniel Hunter Jones. And uh, you guys website. are on Facebook, too, right? Yep. Professor podcast or Professor Jones. Yeah. And, don't look uh, up my Facebook profile, though. I like to keep my private life private. Look up David Jones. Um, just want to shout out. Um, and yeah, we got a website, professorjones.com. Please uh, subscribe on iTunes. That's our biggest thing. Please rate and review. 
Um, if you enjoyed the show, please leave a nice little review. It helps us out phenomenally. It is so helpful in getting our podcast out there on iTunes. So if you did that, we would greatly appreciate it. But uh, can't wait till next week. We should be digging right back into our alien movie theme with uh, with a surprise. I think next week should be fun. So um, all good things here. Well, thanks a lot for listening, guys. Until next time, we'll be living our lives a quarter mile at a time. <laughs> Professor Jones and the Digs. Professor Jones and the Digs. Professor Jones and the Digs. <laughs> <laughs>